Friday night. Another episode of Logic and Larry. I'm here with you to discuss the current events of the world, the news, the politics, the drama, everything that's going on. At the end of the day, guys, I had a rough go of it technologically, didn't I? But you guys pulled me back. You guys are the ones that pulled me in. If it wasn't for you guys encouraging me, like, no, we need you tonight. We got to talk about this. You can't just go to bed. I might have called the quits because, guys, I hope you had a very good week. I had a great week. A productive week, though, but an exhausting week. I have a lot of exhausting weeks, I guess. I'm trying to just be out here being productive and get things done. You know what I mean? But... I set up the audio so well because I want the music to be able to kick in with the voice on a better microphone. I I spent so much time trying to get it to work. And last week, it sounded great, but I couldn't get the recording. So I couldn't put it out on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon. So I tried something, just a little tweak this week. But apparently, no matter what I did, I couldn't get it to play correctly on YouTube. So we're back on Podbean, which is fine. Podbean has been good to us, so we're just going to kick it on Podbean for tonight. I'm glad you all came back to see me on Podbean. I'm happy to be with you. The soundtrack I had planned is gone, so this is like a, a bunch of recycled songs I've already played several times, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. I threw it together in the last half hour, so I hope you like it. Everything I say in this podcast is strictly my opinion as a private, personal citizen. It does not reflect the opinion of any other person, any other entity. I am not speaking to you in my official capacity in any way. I'm speaking to you as a private citizen, Larry Crane, talking to you. But we're going to keep it real on this podcast. I'm looking out over a bright and shiny and glimmering New York City and Newark downtown skyline. As this Bob James and Boney James, as some call him, David Sanborn collaboration from 1978 plays over the airwaves. I'm looking out at a smoky, cold landscape. The Skyway, Jersey City. Sir Elton John tonight is playing his farewell last show at the Prudential Center in Newark. So right now in the Prudential Center, Elton John is performing his farewell tour. And the Empire State Building is lit up a blue and yellow, and I bet you can guess why. To show solidarity with the people of Ukraine as they have been under attack for the last two days. Vladimir Putin, RK Adon, you are in. I see you, brother. I know who that is. It's RK, Rick Crampy. So... Ukraine has been under attack by Vladimir Putin for the last two days. I'm going to talk about that. But I would be remiss if I didn't just address the political hacks out there on Facebook and social media and whatnot. Can you guys please refrain from trying to insinuate that you know anything about what's going on with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, please? I There's been the most ridiculous nonsense regarding like other presidents and whatnot with respect to the Russia conflict. I mean, I've seen people posting this idiotic meme where it's like the bat signal 
but the bat signal is showing Trump because you know it's Trump because he's got the ugly hair and the terrible eyebrows and the terrible face. It's like as if we needed Trump, like Trump would solve this problem or something. Can we can we can we stop with the Trump? Let's explain what went down here. okay? with the Russia Ukrainian conflict. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Trump was probably the weakest NATO ally president in the last 100 I mean, I know NATO's not been around that long, but in the last, what, 70 years? Since NATO has existed, let's put it, Trump has probably been the weakest NATO ally that the, pre- that the United States has had. And you got to understand countries and, and and human nature right human nature yeah remember clr trump was attacking nato for most of his presidency do you does anybody remember all these people posting oh, i wish we had trump too bad we got rid of the tweets let's put up the bat signal for trump let's do all that do you remember does that do any of you remember that trump was like a nato antagonist Probably the first NATO antagonist in the history of NATO to sit in the U.S. White House. Does anybody remember that? Because I do. The guy was mad that certain NATO countries weren't kicking in their fair share or whatever it was. And he was basically saying we should pull out of NATO. What's the point of NATO? NATO's antiquated. We don't need NATO anymore. He was Putin's best friend. This is what you got to understand about people, right? Why is Putin attacking right now? Why do people lash out? Why do human beings ever lash out? Human beings lash out when they're backed into a corner the same way a dog does, right? They lash out when they have no other options. They lash out when they think they need to lash out because they're in a conflict. So Putin didn't need to lash out. He didn't need to do anything when Trump was in power. Because Trump was giving him everything he wanted. Trump was looking the other way. Putin had a friend in Trump because Trump was an isolationist. Trump wanted to pull U.S. troops out of everywhere else in the world. And Putin was down with that. Do you guys remember the Pacific trade deal that Trump pulled out of as soon as he got into office? Because the Pacific trade deal was something that incorporated a bunch of countries in the Pacific to the uh, exclusion of China, which benefited us because we excluded China. That was a strategic trade deal that Obama had constructed and Trump got us out of it, right? Trump was an isolationist. It's a new trend. It's a new populist trend in the United States. Isolationism. Well, that doesn't work. But I'm not sitting here telling you that Biden was so great and that, you know, Putin had to lash out because Biden's so tough. Now, Biden's a little tougher than Trump when it comes to international relations. But Biden is no, (laughs) no international hawk. This is something that's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear these days because we're in 2022 and a lot of people want to distance themselves from foreign conflict and from U.S. influence around the globe. And I understand that. But... As Jermaine Jackson plays in the background, this is a great song, Castles of Sand. We are a castle of sand ourselves if we believe that we can go on being isolationist and not have to deal with any conflicts abroad and think that all things are going to be dandy because they won't. And I understand the people out there saying, oh, just end war, no more conflict, no more violence. Why do we have to? Hey, 
I agree with you. I don't want any more conflict. I don't want any more violence. Who does? None of us want it. But here's the thing. We live on planet Earth. <laughs> and planet Earth is a crazy, crazy rock that was formulated in the midst of meteor strikes and fires and volcanic eruptions. And the sun that burns violently is what sustains our lives. And one day the sun is going to burn out and we are going to all die unless human society or the human race finds some other solar system or galaxy to populate. Nature is violent. The world is violent. And the fact is, no matter how much you pray, how much you want, how idealistic you get, you'll never have a planet Earth. You'll never have a modern reality or any reality where violence and conflict is absent. That's just the reality. It's, it might be a sad reality. It might not be ideal, but that's just the truth. And so I want to talk to you about the fact that Ever since Barack Obama left office, we have not had an actual international hawk president who understood the realities of continuous perpetual warfare, who understood the realities of geopolitics. Donald Trump certainly didn't understand those realities. Joe Biden... Maybe he understands them, but he pretends he doesn't. He doesn't want to. Bernie Sanders didn't understand them. He was also an advocate of pulling out of the Pacific trade deal. Bernie Sanders is also an isolationist. That political philosophy doesn't work in the real world, guys. It doesn't work. Do you think that this exact type of situation would have happened under Obama? Do you think that Obama wouldn't have had a beat on it? Then you don't know the difference between the presidencies. You don't know it. One of the biggest problems that liberals have with Obama is he was actually very aggressive with his drone strikes and his uh, operations abroad. And intriguingly, well, let's talk about Ukraine, right? Let's not digress too much but this ties in with obama right and dope blog pointed it out because dope blog obviously knows what's going on dope blog knows what's up dope blog knows what's up so so ukraine was a part of russia or should i say the soviet union ukraine was a part of the soviet union for a very long time in fact if you go all the way back to the early 1930s Ukraine experienced a an immense famine, and that went in conjunction with a generalized Soviet famine. The cause of the famine was, you know, a lot of things like famines always are, weather conditions, a poor, poor crop yield, et cetera, et cetera. But when you have a centrally planned economy like the Soviet Union had, because it was a socialist communist country, you will go confiscate, if you need to, the yields of the farmers everywhere in your territory. Symbolically, I don't mean this literally, but you'll take them back to Moscow. And you will ration the food out accordingly based on central planning. Now, the reason central planning doesn't work is a lot of factors, but the free economy and the uh, free market works with supply and demand naturally, organically, right? So the, the centralized economy, sometimes it works. It worked for us a little bit in World War II, but it, it's artificial, right? So it doesn't always work. 
And so the Soviet Union confiscated a ton of the crops from the Ukrainian people in the early 30s to try to rectify the famine that was going on uh, across Russia. And what it resulted in was mass famine in Ukraine. So for a very long time, the Soviet Union, i.e. Russia, has occupied regions, including the Ukraine, and has exploited the resources of Ukraine to its own ends. And it's been kind of a love-hate imperialistic relationship between the two. Now, because – and this is another thing which – If you understand geopolitics historically and you understand political science historically, I did study that as an undergrad. Then you know that these nation states that we have, Ukraine, there's several of them in Africa, there's several of them in the Middle East. We ourselves are a nation state. What I mean by nation state is it's a it's a arbitrarily defined geographical region wherein they've declared a sovereign government yet it encompasses any number of different ethnicities and settlements and traditional tribes that have inhabited the area that may or may not have anything in common and if you understand anything about my political philosophy, the reason I believe in America and what America could be is because I understand that America is united on an idea, an ideal, a political philosophy rather than an ethnicity. Although white supremacists and the right want us to be an ethnic, ethnically cleansing, you know, ethnically oriented country, we simply are not one. But in Ukraine, you have to understand that they are a nation state. Why is that relevant? Well, that's relevant because there are ethnic Russians who are in Ukraine. They are people who are loyal to Russia as a country, historically, that currently reside in what is now Ukraine. Now, if you want to conceptualize this, not to go on a tangent, but conceptualize this in terms of America, conceptualize this so that we can see the conflicts of our own issues. And so you could understand it. America annexed. America annexed the southwest of this country, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico. And there were ethnic Mexicans, ethnic Mexicans who had resided there for centuries when we annexed it. Now it's America, but they have they are American because they are within the American territory. But they have ethnic ties to Mexico because they had been there for centuries. Mexico used to extend up into that area. That's a way to conceptualize what's partly going on in Ukraine, especially in the eastern section. So in the eastern section of Ukraine, there are Russian loyalists. So there's always been this conflict as to is Ukraine like a Western country or is Ukraine like a an Eastern like Russian country? And there's different groups of people within Ukraine who feel differently about that issue. So we go to 1991 in 1991, the former Soviet Union was breaking up. We all know that, right? And Ukraine declared its independence. Ukraine split off from the Soviet Union like so many other countries did. You had the collapse and fall of the Berlin Wall between East and West Germany. 
and Germany is such an intriguing story. And I hope you, you, those of you who are on the Logic and Larry discussion group, I hope you've read the the article from the New Yorker that I posted, which was also like simultaneously published in uh, ProPublica about Germany and its reliance on Russian natural gas because they've outright. Uh, dismiss the use of nuclear power and also are shutting down coal. It's an interesting, interesting read. But anyway, the Berlin Wall falls and Russia, the, the countries that were former Soviet Union are starting to split off from the Soviet Union, split off from Russia. Russia becoming its own country doesn't have control of these little nation states anymore, right? So, and dope blog, good, good stat. You're right. It's really intriguing what's going to happen with that. So anyway, there are... So in 91, Ukraine splits off from the Soviet Union, but it had been part of the Soviet Union for a very, very, very long time. So you got to understand, this isn't something that has occurred like just out of nowhere. This was a... When we were babies, Ukraine was a part of Russia. It was a part of the Soviet Union. If you were born in the 80s, early 90s. So like it's not... Like, this is not a thing. It's been that way, right? So now, Putin invaded Crimea in, two, what was it, 2014, 2016, 2014? So he had already started taking territory there because Russia always thought maybe Ukraine, especially eastern Ukraine, was rightfully its own. Recently, two regions in eastern Ukraine had declared themselves loyal to Russia. Because there was a predominant majority of Russians there who wanted to be a part of Russia. And so Putin said, well, I am going to claim those two regions on the easternmost front of Ukraine as Russian territories. And I'm going to mobilize troops toward the border of Ukraine to maintain peace, quote unquote. We all knew what he was up to, but that's what he said. But there were loyalists in Ukraine who wanted Putin to come in on the eastern side. Now, we got to go back a little bit. Dope blog mentioned this, and this is true. Back to Barry Obama, Barack Obama. A geopolitical, aggressive guy. And I agree with him. See, I'm with him. I know it's not in vogue now, but I understand I'm with Obama. I'm with the proactive international philosophy of of international relations, right? In 2014, you may not know, and that was only, what, eight years ago? Only eight years ago. Ukraine had elected a president who was loyal to Russia. Ukraine had elected a president who was more of a, 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 a I don't want to say socialist because that term is so misused today. It, it, it changes the connotation of the conversation. But in essence, he was pro-Russian. He was more exploitive, exploitative of his people. So the West says anyway. And there was an issue with him. But there was something called Euromaidan. There was an uprising in 2014. You may not know this. Only eight years ago. The president of Ukraine was pro-Russian. And at that time, Ukraine had a decision to make, right? It was offered to make an agreement not to join the European Union, but to enter into an agreement, a trade agreement, if you will, with the European Union. 
So, and there you go. See, Dope Blog, thank you for pointing that out. And, and, and less of a socialist, more of a Russian imperialist. He was kind of an oligarch. Good good way to put it. And I agree there. I agree. I, I And thank you for that, because I don't want to bring up socialism. It doesn't really get to the heart of him. So he was an oligarch. Fine. And he was pro-Russia. So the European Union wanted to enter into a trade agreement with Ukraine. And if anybody understands like the long term, this is chess, not checkers. This is chess. This is geopolitical chess. First, you kind of enter into the agreement with Euro, like the European Union, and you get certain trade advantages to the exclusion of Russia, just like the Pacific trade deal with China. I mean, against China. You get certain trade advantages that allow you. And, and again, this is I posted this. Somebody's been posting a lot of this about how Ukraine has all these resources and an esteemed friend of the show who's been on many times disagreed with me on that status was like, well, why would Russia invade anybody? They already have a lot of resources. Dude, Ukraine has a ton of resources and any country ever looking to expand or maintain power is going to try to either ally themselves, imperialize or annex any other area that has resources. That's just the nature of geopolitics, right? And that's the reality that I operate with. It might be, might suck, but it's real. Once the European Union enters into an agreement with Ukraine to the exclusion of Russia, the European Union is benefiting from all the resources that Ukraine has. And the next step is a loose NATO agreement, which kind of has tacit defense agreements against Russia. The long term goal, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years down the road, is that Ukraine becomes a part of NATO. And then what? Then we can move missiles into Ukraine. We can move troops into Ukraine. We can be staring down the barrel of Russia right on its doorstep. Don't you get it strategically? Don't you get it? You might not like it. You might hope it would end, but it'll never end. It'll never end. Humans are always going to be at war. It's sad, but it's true. It's chess. So in 2014, Barack Obama, the president of the United States, he knew that. He knew that. He wasn't Trump. He wasn't Biden. He didn't pretend it didn't exist. Barack Obama was a scholar. He knew. And so when the revolution was fermented in 2014, there's no real official documentation of this official documentation, but there's a ton of reporting under the surface about what happened here. When the uprising started to occur in Ukraine, Against the pro-Russian president, the United States, through their support behind, Quasi, what's up? Hello. The United States, through their support behind the anti-Russian, the, the insurgent forces, the current president of Ukraine, the United States, was supporters of him. John McCain went there, showed his solidarity, met with opposition leaders. The Obama administration, it's alleged, it's reported, supplied them with support, weapons, financing, recognized them early as the sovereign, uh, actual people in leadership of Ukraine. And the West was pro-Ukraine democracy because the president at the time declined was going to decline the european union offer and was going to sign a trade deal with russia instead we don't want that 
England doesn't want that. Germany doesn't want that. Italy doesn't want that. Poland doesn't want it. None of us want it. So we got involved and we made sure that the insurgency, that rebels succeeded in overthrowing the pro-Russian president of Ukraine in 2014 so that Ukraine would be more closely aligned with the West than Russia. Of course that pissed Russia off. But Barry Obama was a G. Barry Obama played that well. Barry Obama knew it was up, you see. So then we have four years of Donald Trump who doesn't know what's going on. He gives Putin whatever he wants. He just said recently that he respects Putin. Putin's a great, made a great move. All that other nonsense. We implemented sanctions against Russia when they invaded Crimea. But invading Crimea was around the same time. Invading Crimea was like a counterpunch to what we just did by toppling the regime and putting in a a pro-Western regime. It's really interesting. And dope blog, good point. And Russia, uh, Israel does it all the time. And Rick, Rick had brought up the Israel thing recently, and, and I agreed with him. So now Russia's been waiting for a chance, waiting to do this, because if they invade Ukraine, they can again topple the current regime that is pro-U.S., pro-West, and install a pro-Russian guy. This only happened in 20, 2014. They're just doing it more aggressively. It's the same thing we did when we got involved in 2014. They're just doing it more aggressively. But here's the thing. There's a few things about this. I want to delve into the conflict. That was the overview. That was the history. Because not everybody understands the history, right? People just think this is like, you know, you know, something crazy. This is, this is, there's a history here. This is not unprecedented. This is not unexpected. This is not World War III. Put it this way. This is not World War III, Okay. And I'm not saying that to downplay it. I'm not saying it because you shouldn't worry. I'm not saying it because you shouldn't care. I'm just saying it because stop saying it's World War III and and just look at what it is, okay? One thing I will say is I'm glad I see the galvanization of people in the West, people in the United States getting behind the Ukrainian people, rooting for the Ukrainian people against Russia. And they may not all know the reasons behind it. And they may not all know that we were involved only eight years ago in the same type of situation. They may not know that. And you could criticize them for galvanizing behind a power, a country that wants to remain free with a democratically elected president and a free market. You can get mad at them, but I'm not mad at them. You know why? Because it's about time. It's about time we got behind allies that have a way of life like we do. Like I said, the world is a tough place. The world is constantly in conflict. It's never going to go away. Predators eat prey. Planets blow up. Meteors crash into other planets and invoke volcanic reactions that create new life anew and destroy things. Existence is brutal. Existence is brutal. So get behind your society. Get behind your people. Let's be behind Ukraine now. We are not down with Russia or their agenda. We are down with our agenda and Ukraine's current government. And we are behind the Ukrainian people. I saw their president today just straight up posting videos on Instagram that he may not talk to Western leaders again because he may wind up dead. He may go down 
fighting for what he believes in. I respect that. I respect the Ukrainians who are going to enlist in the army. They are saying that any man of able body cannot leave the country. There was a terrible, sadly sad viral video today of a young father hugging his daughter and crying because she was able to leave, but he had to stay because he's not allowed to leave. He's got to fight. Ukrainian people are arming themselves. Some of them are already armed. They're ready to fight. There's a resistance. To those who don't like the Second Amendment, look, I'm not one of these Second Amendment nuts. You guys know my beliefs, all right? But there is a utility to the Second Amendment. Imagine if China or Russia was marching down the streets of Newark right now. Will you best believe we would take up arms? Not the army, not the police, us ourselves. We would take up arms. The Ukrainians are taking up arms right now. Did anybody see the story about the little tiny island, the military installation where the Russian warship was approaching, said surrender, and they said, hey, go F yourself. And they all died in glory. They all died in glory. Because they're fighting and going down for what they believe in. So there is something to be said. This is something we don't have to fight about our petty differences right now. We can look at this just like I'm looking at the Empire State Building right now in blue and yellow. And we can say we stand for what we stand for. We're armed. We're ready. We're fighting. I fully support the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian president. Now, when it comes to... Is this going to be a nuclear war? Is this going to be World War Three? Well, the answer is no. Russia is going to threaten nuclear power because that's what they can do. Fine. We can threaten the same. No one's going to get world annihilation. No one's going to go for world annihilation. You launch a missile at us, at us, we launch a missile at you. No one really knows how far along we are. I would wager... I would wager that the United States has operations and scientific advancements and military advancements, even though everybody belabors and hates the military industrial complex. And I understand why I'm not I'm not patronizing those who have legitimate concerns about it. I understand the problems with it. But let's face it. We have such a military industrial complex that who knows how advanced our weaponry and technology is right now. If they were to launch a missile, what would happen? I we would have devastation. I'm not advocating for it at all. But I don't think they would come out even close to the ones that were victorious in a situation like that. But we would also be devastated. So no one wants that. No one wants it. So when it comes to nuclear war, that's that's not really on the agenda. As of now, I wouldn't worry about that. This is a proxy war. And I want you to draw, if, if you don't understand, if you're wondering, like, well, why would, why isn't this World War Three? Well, think about this, right? Remember when we like and and this is let me just touch on this really quick because this just bothers the crap out of me. People always say like, oh, they always mix up Afghanistan and Iraq and I hate it. Like we invaded Afghanistan because Afghanistan was literally harboring Osama bin Laden. Literally when he blew up the Twin Towers. Afghanistan, the Taliban were harboring him. So we went in there and we had international support to invade Afghanistan. International support. But when it comes to Iraq, 
That was largely, in hindsight, a farce. It's been proven. Iraq did not have weapons of mass destruction that they were proliferating. Iraq was not developing weapons, okay? We invaded Iraq just because of whatever rationale we came up with, similar, not as ridiculous and unhinged as Putin, but similar to that, like just, uh, oh, they have weapons of mass destruction. Everybody else is like, well, I don't know that they do. I don't think they do. We're like, well, they, yeah, they do. Just like Putin right now is saying that the people in control of Ukraine are Nazis. Like it was just some pretext. Like we're just going to go in. And what happened when we went in? Did the, did the international community line up behind us when we went into Iraq? The answer is no. The international community did not line up behind us when we went into Iraq. China, Russia, they were against us when we went into Iraq. They were not supporting us. But did they bomb us nuclearly? No. Because we're a world power. We're a nuclear power. You don't get to just fight us physically if we do something you don't like. You impose sanctions. You try to screw with us as bad as you can. That's what we're doing with Russia right now, right? We're not going to go fight Russia because they invaded Ukraine. We, we hate it. We don't like it. But they're a nuclear power. We're not going to fight them head on. They can do that, unfortunately. And we got to just impose the sanctions and we're going to proxy war. Fund Ukrainians. Support Ukrainians. Give them intelligence. We're not going to fight Russia because of it. It's like no one fought us and went to Iraq. And why don't you go look at a map? Go look at a map right now of Afghanistan and Iraq. Go do it. Go, go type it in your computer. Look at Iraq and Afghanistan. Look what country... They surround. Look what country Iraq and Afghanistan surround. You know what country they surround? From both sides? Iran. <laughs> you see, it's chess. It's not checkers. It's chess. So when Trump and then Joe Biden pulled us out of there and gave up our chess piece, that was stupid. That's why I don't rock with isolationists. Trump and Biden, weak, weak internationally, putting us in a vulnerable position that Putin is now exploiting, you see. Don't you see? When you get checkmate in chess, do you ever actually take the king? Is that a thing? Do you take the king? Do you kill the king in front of the other player ever? Or do you simply say checkmate? You just say checkmate. It's not about actually doing it. You just say checkmate. You know he's done. But you don't actually execute the move. He's just done one way or the other, right? This is proxy war. This is an ongoing conflict between East and West, China, Russia, United States, England, Germany. Same thing. It's ongoing. Cuban Missile Crisis. They don't. We don't want missiles on our front door. They don't want missiles on their front door. They don't want it in Ukraine. This is what's going on. Putin is an autocrat. Putin is a dictator. I think the chess piece did make us safer. See, that's the difference. The best defense is a good offense. The idea that we could retreat and, and be... Kumbaya ideologues and idealist and and survive is a farce. And Putin showing us it's a farce because it is. There will always be a Putin in the world. There will always be. Okay? Just like crime. 
That's why I'm not down with like, oh, the whole crime reform thing. Like, I, I, I'm down with reforming criminal, you know, stuff. But I, I don't want to go delve into that right now. But like, but there's an, there's always be going to be a criminal though. It's going to exploit you. Okay, there's always going to be somebody who's doing the things they're not supposed to do. You can't get away from it, no matter how hard you try, no matter how altruistic, no matter how great you are. Putin is an autocrat. Putin is a dictator, right? And Putin should show you that no matter how, what, how civilized, how advanced your society is, Russia was subject to dictators for so long. But then they had decent leaders, good leaders, and yet they still fell victim to Putin, who's a dictator. And people don't even know what the... what the. And somebody says, CLR says, insurgents will continue to fight. And you're right, RK. Like, dude, you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just because we can be enlightened people doesn't mean that some other person is going to take advantage. They are. So let's talk about the logistics, right? So a buddy of mine who's a who's a lawyer friend, very, very intelligent guy who actually was at the forefront of the uh, at the forefront of the campaign to legalize cannabis in the state of New Jersey and a very talented individual who I went to law school with. Now, he is way left of center. He's way left of me. We have healthy debates, but he's a very good friend. He shared with me this morning a Twitter stream. I guess Twitter has different groups. I didn't even know that. But it was a Twitter stream um, dedicated to coverage of the Russia-Ukraine situation, which was mostly people who were insiders, scholars, experts, embedded mostly in that region of the world, who spoke mostly English, but were covering it from there. And these individuals, these individuals were uh, explaining a lot of things to me that I didn't even know about. And one of the things they were explaining, they were delving into the tactical issues about this Russia-Ukraine thing, the tactical issues. right? And one of the things they were talking about was, you know, Russia thought just like we thought in Iraq, they, they compared it to Iraq. Russia thought they would walk in and Russia thought this would be like the Taliban in Afghanistan where they would walk in and people would lay down their arms right away and they would lay down and they would pledge their allegiance to Russia because they already had so much support internally. They thought it would be relatively easy. They thought it would be relatively swift. But what they're finding is there is more resistance than they thought and that perhaps the political aspect isn't as strong as they thought. Now, they also opine these people that there's no way Russia would have invaded at all unless Russia knew or had some political plan in place, i.e. Russia knows there are loyalists high up in the Ukrainian government right now that will assume power when the time is right. So they're saying Russia knows and has contacts within the Ukrainian government. That's why they did this. But one thing they were talking about was Russia might not have anticipated the next step. Just like the United States did not anticipate the next step when it came to us invading Iraq and Afghanistan, meaning they thought it would be easy. They can turn around and go home and there's going to be a pro-Russian government installed in Ukraine. But they didn't count on the fact that there may be a strong insurgency that's going to continue to perpetuate during the next several years, decades, whatever it may be. And quite frankly, gin and ginger, that's very appropriate, Siren, since I am a ginger and I'm on the mic. So I respect that. And I'm sorry I keep pausing. I have this very nice little tiny Cuban cigar here because it's keeping me mellow because of the technological stuff I went through earlier today. I'm still upset about it, but I'm I'm trying to ignore that it happened, okay? 
I got to figure out this technology thing. I really do. I got to figure this thing out because I, can you hear the music? Is the music good to you guys? Or is it like the way that this technology works? Like the phone and Podbean tries to maximize my voice and lower the music. So the music was kind of like come in and out, like it's high and then it's low and then it's high. It's like an internal compressor. Yeah, see, that's what stinks. Like on the other, the program I was using before through YouTube, the music could just play and I could be over it very nice. But with this program, the music's low. Like the music doesn't work right. See, I just, I'm trying to, guys, I promise you, you guys are my loyal listeners and you kept me up tonight. I'm going to stay on Podbean until I have a better alternative. YouTube worked great two shows ago. It sounded so nice. I just couldn't get the audio off YouTube. And then I tried it again today and no one could hear it. I promise you, I'm going to find a solution to get the cleanest audio I can. I promise you, I'm going to master this and be able to use my legit microphone with the legit audio input so you have a real smooth stream but for now this is what we're working with so i appreciate you being with me i really do anyway they're not counting on the insurgency russia there's going to be an insurgency regardless of what they do and it's going to be a problem and so we're going to follow this conflict i don't know if the president of ukraine is going to go down i don't know if he's going to die for the cause i don't know what he's going to do I don't know what he's going to do. And, and Rick, you're right. I mean, but the after listeners is like a, you know, what's funny. There's a crew of after, there's a crew of people that listen the day after, like a, like a lot of people. And then there's you guys who listen live and you're a lot too. And I constantly trying to balance the interests of everybody <laughs> to keep everybody happy because you guys are both loyal, but oh, it's crazy. It's really crazy. So look, the Russia thing. They didn't count on the insurgency. There's going to be an insurgency. If you don't think the United States is going to be involved in financing and, su- and supporting that insurgency, you are crazy. And see, see, like dope blog, that works. Like you can do that. And I want you to have clean audio when you do it. You know, I'm trying to figure this out. But that's where we are. That's where we are at the Russia conflict. That's that's a good explanation of what's going on with the Russia conflict. Um. It's just it's just crazy. It really is. So that's where we are. It's another world conflict. It's not World War Three. It's not going to be a nuclear war. It's not going to be any of those things. Uh, just so you know, um, no, Dope Blog is uh, I'm not going to give him up. He could tell you who he is on his own if he wants. He's been on the show. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of the show. Uh, he can tell you who he is if he wants to tell you who he is. Uh, you guys know. Um, but. So we've now imposed sanctions on several oligarchs. And so individuals actually have their pockets being hurt. He's dope as hell. Yeah, their their pockets are being hurt now. And now apparently the, the next escalation today was that Western European countries, including the United States, actually froze Putin's personal assets, any personal assets that um, personal assets that Putin held in Western countries or in the United States have now been frozen. Uh, And so we're trying to hit him personally, whether that works or not. I don't know whether that uh, provokes him more or not. I don't know. But we're trying to impose sanctions that hurt these oligarchs, people in positions of power and influence. We're trying our best to influence them. And we're trying our best 
to get them to feel the pain. And so we are continuing to impose these sanctions. And we're continuing to do this in an effort to get them to say, hey, if we continue to attack Ukraine, we are going to feel it. Like, how long is this worth it? Especially, say an insurgency continues, right? And they take Ukraine, but insurgency continues throughout the country. And they're feeling the pinch economically from the sanctions. How long do the oligarchs, how long does Putin, how long do the stakeholders continue with the offensive when their pockets are getting hurt and the offensive is not necessarily yielding like a a calm, secure, sovereign entity in Ukraine? How long? I don't know. That's something to keep an eye on. So... I want to pivot a little bit because I got two other stories I'm just going to touch on quick and then I want to take your phone calls because I want to hear from you guys tonight. And it's not going to be a phone call. I guess it's going to be on Podbean, you know, I I guess. Since we're back to Podbean. First off, I want to talk about the um, judicial nominee of President Biden. He nominated like in the midst of all this and like, you know, Joe, Joe is like a he's like the dude like in hockey in a shootout where you think like you know the move he's going to make and you think he wants to like fake you out like he's not going to actually do that move but yet he still does it and like you already know what he's doing and like Biden he's just like the kind of dude who like he definitely announced the nominee today because he was trying to change the media narrative from the Russia thing and real quick before I'm off that the media has been reporting a whole lot on Taiwan and any logical thinker would be like, oh man, if Russia's invading Ukraine, what's to stop China from invading Taiwan? Maybe they all do it at once and just test our resolve. Well, the agreement with Taiwan between the United States and Taiwan is different than the agreement between the Ukraine and the United States. We have dedicated much more to Taiwan in the event of an invasion. And China's geopolitics are a bit different than Russia's. China doesn't necessarily have that autocratic tyrannical president putin like you know they don't have that in china necessarily xi is not so much a a tyrant that way he doesn't want to be seen that way anyway and so the considerations are a little bit different and they've been reporting on these planes that have been hovering over taiwanese airspace and etc cetera, etc cetera. That, but that's been going on long before this it's just interesting because the media will always try to like hype up and sensationalize anything to get our attention try to provoke the fact that there's world war three etc etc and and uh, yeah, and I, I agree, dope blog. Like it's true. It's just different. It's a lot different. So don't fall victim to being scared about that right now. Okay. Um, but anyway, I think Biden tried to change the narrative. <laughs> I think he tried to like leak out this news today to try to get our uh, get us to focus on something else. And let's be fair about the United States, right? While Ukraine is fighting a foreign invader and arming themselves and and signing up for the draft and all these things, we're fighting about petty things amongst ourselves in the United States. While we were we were basically sleepwalking the last the Trump years and the Biden two years now. And I mean, I'm not knocking anybody for sleepwalking through Trump because Trump was such a problem domestically for a lot of ideological, you know, people. Uh, and intellectual people that I understand why that preoccupied you, but we have existential threats that we should be paying attention to, right? And so the fact that we are struggling to do that sometimes and where we're looking the other way or we're looking inside ourselves, and all this chaos is going on outside of us, that will eventually affect our security. And that's not good. So we really should be paying attention. But 
all of that being said, I, I do want to say one thing. Like all these people who are signing up for like the draft in Ukraine, who are going to fight in Ukraine, who are ready to go to battle in Ukraine. You know what's funny? If we got invaded by some foreign invader, I guarantee you half the people that say they're so patriotic who are Trumpy people who claim patriotism so hard. If we were invaded right now, they wouldn't sign up to fight. But half the people that claim that patriotism, Trumpy right wing thing, they would they would sign up to fight. And on the other side, half the people that say, oh, they're all about the people. They're all about freedom, all that on the left. Half of them would go home and cry. They wouldn't do anything. But half of them would sign up to fight. And I guarantee you, if a foreign invasion happened tomorrow, right oriented people and left oriented people would be fighting side by side against the invasion to protect the sanctity of America and American values. And half on the left and half on the right would be going home crying. And we got to realize who's real and who's not and stop just looking at our partisan divisions all the time because you know who's real and who's not. You know who's got a true real heart and who doesn't, regardless of how much they've been influenced by mainstream media and the, the cable networks and the partisan rhetoric that's out there you know who's got your back as a human being who believes in the things and the values that you do you know who they are they're all on this this channel right now they're all listening to me right now that that's for sure and you got people all across the political spectrum right now listening but we'd all i guarantee you i know pretty much everybody on the stream right now and we'd all be down to fight the invasion so i hope we eventually stop the petty bickering and get real and start making a better day. But that's a whole nother soliloquy for another time. So Biden today, I think in an effort, I think in an effort to uh, change the narrative, announces Supreme Court nominee, Kintaji Brown Jackson. Let me tell you something. I don't love that Biden came out initially and just said, like, he's only going to have a pool just of black women. He's not going to go outside of that. I don't like defining your pool based on gender and race up front. Per se, because you limit yourself, like, just do it. Like, if you're going to do it, just do it and don't tell anybody. Like, don't taint the announcement by announcing that you've limited yourself. Just say, like, out of everybody anyway, this was the person. Like, don't tell everybody you're only drawing from a certain pool. Like, it's just not great. But let me tell you something. Kentaji Brown Jackson was a great choice. A great choice. Like, this is a, a judge. This is a judge. And, ooh, looks like I got to restart the playlist, guys. Going back to Euphoria by Aluciato, one of my old joints from the 12 Jazzy Housey Lounge Joints album from 2010. 10, 12 Jazzies from 2010 is my little electro stuff. And by the way, I promise you that album's coming out. I dropped another song today. I only have seven songs to continue to drop. It's coming. It's coming. A world not for everyone. Life's legacy in a world not for It's coming. Some of you have heard previews. Most of you have not. It's coming. And it's very, it's very, you'll love it. You really will. But Kentaji Brown Jackson, great choice. She's a Harvard undergrad student. She was a Harvard law graduate. She clerked for the best judges, some of the best judges ever to touch the bench, including Justice Breyer, who she's replacing. She, it, You should look up her, her decisions. You should look up the rulings she's made. 
You should look up her rationale. She spent years as a federal public defender. She spent two different stints at two prestigious law firms in the Northeast. She comes from a prominent family who settled in Florida initially. Her brother was serving overseas, yet she still advocated for the plight of uh, prisoners in Guantanamo. And as somebody who is a attorney and you know what side of the law I'm on, who believes strongly in law enforcement, I still believe in the rights of individuals accused of crimes in this country. And she has advocated on behalf. She has been an extremely balanced, intellectual, objective, analytical jurist her entire career as an attorney and as a judge. I think this was the best pick he could have made. Yes, she's quote unquote liberal. But she is not like ideologically liberal to the point that she's a hack like we've unfortunately seen sometimes. She is a legitimate, objective judge who happens to slant one way. She is an excellent pick. She got through to the federal bench with Republican support. Three or four Republicans supported her, which in these partisan times is actually a big thing. And so she's an excellent, excellent choice to sit on the Supreme Court. And I am very happy with that choice. I respect it a lot. And I'm excited for her future. She's the first African-American woman who will sit on the bench, assuming she does. And it's good for our country that we have somebody of that uh, level of prestige with that resume sitting on the bench. I, I couldn't be happier. I saw when... Biden was first getting the chance to nominate a Supreme Court justice that all these political people wanted to throw their hats in the ring and all these political people had their different people that they owed favors to or that they wanted to get the job or et cetera, et cetera. And I'm glad that he stuck with her. I think she's a great, great choice. And I just wanted to touch on that news. Finally, the last bit of news. Has anybody seen this? And I know now be, I was going to talk about this a lot more until the Russia thing happened. But once the Russia thing happened, I kind of got sidetracked, understandably. Has anybody seen this new thing where Starbucks is getting unionized like randomly and there's like a lot of fanfare for it and whatnot? And like, I'm not even going to say whether I really care or don't about it, to be honest. Like, I'm not even saying I agree or disagree but is it just me? Do I feel like Gen Z, like they have this notion of like this socialist manifesto and like this socialist uh, activism and whatnot and this and that. But it's like, it, is there anything more Gen Z than unionizing Starbucks of all places like you're not unionizing janitorial workers that represent like thousands of people in this state or unionizing you know factory workers in a meat processing plant in Arkansas like you're unionizing northeastern Starbucks like dead what <laughs> I don't know about this generation and they're like selective, symbolic, leftist act. 
activism. Like, does Starbucks need a union? By all accounts, Starbucks pays pretty decently for what it is. It's like part-time work, some full-time workers, a lot of people who are older looking for part-time gigs, younger people. Like, why don't they go unionize Walmart? You know, like a real company that matters. It just seems like Starbucks is like where they hang out, where they get their frappuccinos, where they talk about liberal things. And then they also want to unionize it because they're so righteous. But are they, though? I just came across an article about it and I was kind of interested. I was like, what is going on? And the lady who started the whole thing was like in Buffalo and she was a Rhodes Scholar and she was hyper educated. And it was like the best thing you could think was go work at a Starbucks and convince the middle aged lady you work with to rise up and unionize. That was the the, the crusade you wanted to go on. I just thought it was kind of weird. And this is a siren. Yeah, I, I get it. It's like, but it's. So now let me like read this to you from the New York Times. Maggie Carter, a Starbucks barista in Knoxville, Tennessee, is a warm and reassuring presence who says she is keen to go the extra mile for customers. As a union organizing campaign that began in Buffalo produced the company's only two unionized U.S. stores, blah, blah, blah. And then the title is, and then Bernie Sanders is my everything, Carter said. I love him more than anything. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. I love Bernie Sanders. Isn't there a bit of dogmatic, like, affiliate <laughs> affection there, the same way that we criticize the right for being affecting, you know, affectionate with Trump? When in reality, it's like, is there substance there? Or is it just because, like, I love Bernie and I love Frappuccinos and I want to unionize? This is where the Gen Z just loses me. This is where I think Gen Z, forget Gen Z. I don't have to blame a generation because we always blame generations and all this other thing. But, see, but Dope Blog, you don't think Bernie is infallible. You don't think he is. But I think some of these people do. I think they do. And I also think that they think that their position is infallible. Like, this is my thing with the modern leftist movement in this country, especially amongst young people. Like, they truly think that they are the most righteous people ever because they're unionizing Starbucks, like they think and, and I see articles and the media like piggybacks on all the leftism. It's constantly piggybacking on the leftism, right? Like the media is saying like union busting Starbucks, like no more union busting. Like, is it like, really, though? It's it like the, the woman who started it is like a Rhodes Scholar who's like a part time gig was to try to stop at Starbucks and unionize it on the road to bigger and better things. And they're acting like union busting as if the people that work there are so dedicated to the cause as if they were teamster truckers or you know mine workers or something and it's like really though and are we getting misguided when i read an article that i alluded to it before i alluded to it before more an ideal thing more places need to unionize and starbucks is paving the way i mean really though really though I don't disagree that more places need to unionize, but is Starbucks really the first domino that we needs to fall? Or is there are there much bigger industries? This is the, the, the intriguing thing. I read this the other day, and I want you to really think about this. I want you to think about this. Yeah, they're a national chain. Okay, great. All right, what about the, – the, the, okay, so they're going to unionize. So what's going to happen? They're going to get uh, better shifts? What? What? Really? Or are you just post hoc justifying them? 
So let's let let's talk about this, right? Let's talk about this. Yeah, I know you guys want to, you know, you want to get behind the cause because you guys are, you guys like it. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's be critical here. Let's be critical. That's what we do on this. Show. Let's be critical. Let's be critical. Okay. Starbucks. You have a, whatever amount of workers you have. This and that. The other thing. Fine. That's your bastion. That's like your your battle. That's that's your front line. That's your front line, Starbucks. Fine, because you can get in there, you can get a job, you can turn the ladies who work in there, you can turn them against whoever, and you can get. And then remember Starbucks. Starbucks was so liberal that they had the ant. They were killing Christmas, but now the liberals hate them because they're union busting. Okay, like, is it really anything, or is it just a proxy, proxy nonsense? And I lost my point that I was going to hit because because I was talking to you guys. I had I had a much better point, and now I kind of lost it in the shuffle here. And I'm trying to find what it was and still keep the airwave going without me going into silence. I had a point that I was going to make. I was going to make. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Here's what I was going to say that I thought was interesting, right? So you're a union steward and you think it's important. That's fine. That's great. I'm not against you being a union steward. I'm not. I believe in unions. But here's my thing. Here's an interesting thing. When I read that article I alluded to before in The New Yorker, it was about Germany. It was about how Germany was had actually passed a law, unlike the United States, Germany passed a law that they were going to literally completely phase out coal energy by 2038. Like completely coal was gone. It's dead. They're already right now in Germany phasing out coal. And they actually had like it wasn't just a joke. It wasn't just symbolic. It was literal. It was practical. They passed a law that coal was going to be phased out. And they said that because coal is going to be phased out, we are going to award several billion dollars to communities and workers and companies affected by the phase out so that they could find ways to innovate and, and, and find new work and to build their communities because we are shutting down their primary industry. And one of the most interesting things, this was a great article. I, I posted it. I'll post it again. This article was really intriguing because it took all sides into account. And one of the things that one of the coal workers said was, hey, if you go back to the 40s and 50s, we were the heroes of a modernizing, developing world, Western world, right? We were the people down in the dirt, digging up to our knuckles and knees, risking life, risking death to fuel the electricity that powered the lawyers and the doctors and the politicians who, you know, needed our light and our labor to forge their new society into the future. And now all of a sudden we are the villains. Is there not something to be said culturally for the Starbucks unionizers who downplay and diss and make comments about and, 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 and act arrogant toward the Trump supporter who's emerging from the Rust Belt from the old manufacturing strongholds of the Midwest and the South and Appalachia, who they look down upon because they are not educated enough, they are not enlightened enough 
to be with them. They are going to unionize Starbucks, but do they care about the traditional unionized workers in those rust belts, in those Bible belts, in those blue collar strongholds that they hold in such disregard that they can't stand? Isn't it a cultural thing to think about while they claim to be on the front lines of unionization and pro-workers that they're unionizing Starbucks while they're dissing and crapping on all the people who have forged the union worker for decades, if not a century before them? I'm not saying Starbucks should not be unionized. I'm saying don't we and shouldn't we be a bit critical of the cultural phenomena that we're currently encountering as a society? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we just be a bit critical? The first place they choose to unionize and help is Starbucks? What about Amazon truckers? What about Walmart warehouse people? What about the people building pipelines that they're against? I'm not saying you got to be for it because it's anti-environmental. I get it. But I'm saying, do we align ourselves with actual philosophies that are cohesive and that make sense and connect? Or do we just align ourselves with what culturally makes sense to us in the moment because it sounds good, because our friends are doing it, because it sounds fun, because it's the in vogue thing to do? So Bernie Sanders is your idol, so you're going to go unionize Starbucks. Okay. How many years are you going to dedicate to the cause? Where are you going to go when it's not a fun place to be, where it's not something you're into, where it's harder to convince the people to get down with you? I want to see that. Just like the $15 minimum wage for fast food workers, that's all well and good. But it's fast food workers, 16-year-olds a lot of times, 17-year-olds. Does that move the needle? I got to say, I'm a little skeptical of the new movements on the left. I'm a little skeptical of the new generation coming up on the left. What's their end game? Is it motivated by the right things? Are they motivated by some deep intellectual ideological conclusion that they formed or are they motivated by some trend and does the media placate them rather than criticizing them and should it be balanced should they give them the same amount of criticism that they give them props or is it all just going to be a puffery job puff pieces left and right about how great they are because the media happens to be sympathetic to the cause are we ever going to be critical about it and see walmart doesn't need a union well neither does neither does starbucks then if walmart doesn't starbucks doesn't that's my point it's just something to think about you know i see a lot of people claiming to be these deep altruists these deep ideological you know, radical movers and shakers, but they're not doing the same kind of radical activism, laying their lives on the line, laying their livelihoods on the line, the same way that people that came before them were. They claim they are, but they're not. This isn't the 1960s. They wish it was, but it's not. In the 1960s, the stakes were much higher than they are now. Much higher. But they still want to act like they're the same level of activist. They're not. They're not. I read the whole article on the girl who started the whole thing, the Rhodes Scholar, who started the Starbucks thing in Buffalo. 
and she saw some radical socialist who was one of the most radical socialists. I forget his name, but he was an iconic radical socialist speak one day. And he said, if there's any poor person, then I'm poor. If there's anybody incarcerated, then I'm incarcerated. That inspired her to go to Starbucks and convince Maggie May to switch to unionization. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Can we be real a little bit? Can we be real a little bit? Yeah, RK, you're right. You're right. See, and isn't that another side of it? I'm not against unions, though. I'm, I'm for unions, okay? I'm for unions, especially in for-profit industries. I'm for unions. I am for them, okay? Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Unions, collective bargaining, collective bargaining with a for-profit entity. If we had more collective bargaining in this society right now, I guarantee you, we would have a more equitable society. The, the disenfranchisement of unions and the right to work states is what really has bankrupt a lot of our old industrial centers and what has helped to cause and ferment this rapid inequality that has grown in the last several decades, which is part of the reason our democracy is so destabilized and why we have these culture wars in the first place is because we have so much inequality between the haves and the have-nots, and it's growing. The disparity is growing more and more and more. More and more and more. So I believe in unions. Don't get it twisted. I believe in unions. I believe in unions. And yeah, Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, this would, but yeah, unions were infiltrated. So that was a preamble to say, yes, unions were also infiltrated, especially in the Northeast and the Midwest, Detroit, Buffalo, New York, Schenectady, you know, Boston, Philadelphia. You know, we know, but I'm for unions. Don't get it twisted. I'm, this is not an anti-union rant in any, this is just being critical of a certain movement and the way the media portrays like a younger generation of people who are self-proclaimed socialists, self-proclaimed anti-capitalists, but like their idea of radical activism is unionizing Starbucks in their spare time on the path to much bigger things because they are much more educated than most of the people that they're embedded with in the Starbucks on a daily basis. I just think it's something to talk about because it fits into the greater context of this like this like part-time activism that we're seeing this like i'll go in the street on saturday because i see my friends and i hold the sign but like what do you do on the day-to-day what's your career goal who do you who do you help every day what do you do on a, on a on a serious basis to benefit the people that you say are disenfranchised because there are plenty of disenfranchised people in this country and in this world what do you do day-to-day to help those disenfranchised people that you claim you support because if it's just symbolic and it's just part time and it's just like something that's really not in the in the front line of it, are you really an activist at all? And then can you turn around and call other people not as much of an activist as you, i.e., can you go unionize a Starbucks and turn around and turn a co-worker that he's a piece of garbage because he's polluting the environment and you claim the high ground as a advocate for workers when I'm not saying that coal's good. Coal sucks. We should get rid of it. But like, isn't the advocate for the union in Appalachia a bit more of an advocate for workers who are losing their livelihood than you who's chilling out in Starbucks? I probably. Right. And I'm not saying we have to trash on the Starbucks workers. I'm just saying, shouldn't we be more critical? 
Shouldn't we be more critical of these things? That's all I'm saying. I'm not even knocking the barista. I'm not knocking them. I'm, it's just, I'm not, I'm really not. I'm not saying Starbucks doesn't need it. I'm just, I'm just questioning the people in the puffery in the newspapers about the people. That's all. And Rick, you are. Well, that's fine. I guess you can, you know. And by the way, may I just say that I'm happy that we have our quorum in here in this chat? Like, it's nice. I wish I had better audio for you, but we're all in here and it's the conversation's rolling. I'm glad I did the show. But geez, I wish we had better music audio. But whatever, we'll we'll get over it. But listen, that's what I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna take a two like a not even a two minute, a 30-second break. I'm gonna be right back and I'm gonna take your phone call. So if you want to call, get your number on the dial, call on the app. Because unfortunately, we're not on Facebook with the Skype. My whole setup is out the window because either my software interface or YouTube did not want to cooperate. So now we're on here. So get ready to call the app if you have a phone call. And, and this app's supposed to have like seven people that can come on. But I have only seen like one work. So I don't even know how that works. But get your thoughts ready. Anything we talked about today. Let's keep it to what we talked about today for the most part. Let's keep it to that. Anything we talked about or touched on today, feel free to call on. I'll be back in 30 seconds, and I'm going to take your calls. Be right back. Enjoy the music. All right, I'm back, and I'm taking your calls, so feel free to call up, and we're going to have a little conversation. Call on the app. <laughs> See, RK doesn't like the app. RK, you know what? Let, hold on. You want to call on Skype? You can do that. Hold on, I'll probably pull up Skype. I had Skype ready for the other setup, but you know what? So I'm just still, I'm still, I'm sorry. I'm still aggravated. You don't have to, if you don't want to call, don't call. <laughs> oh, you're special. I was going to say, if you're not social, you know, you don't have to. All right, Skype is up, so you can call the Skype number if you want. Skype is open. Oh, we got it. Hold on. RK, what up? Wait, I invited RK. Yet RK is not on. What is going on? Yeah, see, that's the other thing. Podbean, like if I could do Podbean through the computer, I bet I could use my microphone and the audio inputs properly. But because... I it, I can't. It's only like an app on the phone. It only lets me broadcast on the phone. So I can't do that, which is so frustrating. It really is frustrating. Yeah, and you, Joey Paisan, I'm going to need you to come. You're going to might I might need you to come here one day and like sit with me and do tests with like you can take my phone to the other room and see how the broadcast works or doesn't work because i don't know the encoding and also the nonsense and the cpu usage to try to get the other setup to work properly on youtube because the audio was so much better i just want to see if i could do it because when i put this into pro tools and mix it down like it's fine it's not bad but the audio is not as crisp as it should be and i just want you guys to be vibing to the music while i'm talking this is fine obviously the show's going good we've been doing this for what over a year now it it works but i prefer to do it with crisper audio that's all yeah we got to test we got to test paizo we just we we really do just have to test bro we we got to we got to 
Yeah, see, how weird is that? Like, that's weird, dope. Like, it's weird. It's, it's just like this is a, a made for cell phone app. And YouTube wasn't even what I was using the broadcast. I was using OBS, which is like a streaming software that seemed to be well equipped to handle this. Like I could I could have a, uh, an audio stream of music that I could lower or higher the input and output levels to with my microphone, my condenser professional microphone, lower the inputs and outputs to that and mix it all and then like put a, a an image on the video and play that all at once and he's so true yo like hey lucifer what's going on i mean glad you joined us he's like who's up this late i'm gonna join <laughs> it's so appropriate so glad you pointed that out that's hilarious but yeah like it had just like the perfect like i could put a little ambiance with the with the you know little ambiance with the picture and I could put like the right music and I could talk and now I'm on this and you know my music's in and out it's kind of cut and it's kind of compressed and I'm talking I don't know I just want that crisp audio setup I have all the equipment I have all the hardware I just have to get the software to cooperate you know what I mean like it's frustrating when you have such good hardware and the software won't work like when I do my YouTube video video uh broadcasts it it sounds great because i'm using my actual microphone but i don't use the only aspect to that that i don't use is a a, i'm broadcasting with my computer camera because it's video and b i don't have the music in the background so that doesn't present the same issues you know so that that's the issue with it anyway i'm calling anybody want to call you can call You can call me on the app, or you can call on the phone number, 973-536-2530, 973-536-2530, or call on the app, 973-536-2530, it's been the same number, or the app is also available. I thought I saw that RK was trying to call on the app, and I invited him, and then RK jumped off the app, so I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's happening right now with with this whole thing. It's a late night because we had all those technical difficulties. It was supposed to be 8.30, but I started at 10. Think about that. How the heck did I start at 10? Like, that's how bad the technological problems were. That's crazy. Which one do you like better, Joey? Which one do you like better? Who likes... Let's vote. Who likes this better? But, But can you hear the music? You're getting a busy signal? Really? I'm on here. That's interesting. Yo, yo. What up? What up? What's up, bro? Glad to have you on, bro. At least somebody hopped on. Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, man. What's up? I don't know what's on your mind, bro. This is, I had so much technological problem. You know me; I'm like been doing audio for so many years. You know that, so I'm so frustrated with it. But this is work, so we're gonna. That's why I wasn't it. commenting on it, man. That's exactly why I wasn't commenting on it. I'm like, what am I going to tell him that he probably didn't think of before when it comes to all the audio issues? And I know once you go down that black hole or that spiral of trying to talk audio, you know, editing is just. You have, to get, you have to get pulled back out. So I figured I'd call in because there was one thing you didn't touch on that, like, no, no one's really talking about. 
that's just kind of surprising me. And it's kind of telling when it comes to um, just our overall narrative about Putin invading Ukraine. No one's talking about ousting Putin or him resigning or stepping down. I saw somebody today actually on that little podcast I was watching talk, like bring it up and their particular um, take was like it's unlikely because the oligarchs are happy with him because of what he's doing. But they wouldn't count out like a groundswell of like regular people. What have you been hearing about that and what's your take on it? Because you're right. It, it hasn't been talked about like at all. And it's not pop. There's people taken to the streets in Russia like there are against it. Yeah, I I saw that last time I saw it, I think it was something like at least 1,700 people were arrested by midday yesterday that were peacefully protesting. And they're being arrested under the guise of COVID restrictions, not necessarily that they're peacefully protesting this new war. So that's problematic in itself. But as far as what you said about the oligarchs, it's right. They've been happy. But I'm not even talking about the Russian oligarchs. I mean – just the international community as a whole, because the people to think about that, they have such strong state propaganda over there and they're only showing 50 percent approval for this war. That means what? 80 percent of the country absolutely hates it. Dude, that's a good point that, that I didn't even know that about the, um, the polls. I didn't know that. They, yeah, know they that. showed that yesterday while they were all cheering themselves about invading Ukraine, that the polling was only showing about 50% of Russians support it. And that's state te- television. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's state television. It's propaganda TV, and they're saying that. And they that's- can only get half. <laughs> that They're only going to lie and say half. That's crazy. So it's well below that, you would think. I mean – because why they have their own problems. What do they care about the traditional boundary of Ukraine, like like uniting the old Russian front or whatever? You're right. What do you think? There's a a possibility of Putin, you know, getting overthrown at some point, even by like other people in influence. Like if we were to impose sanctions so tough on him that it started to bleed down to the rest of the country, would they start? Would, would, would his support start to erode because he's been a problem for a long time and he is a dictator. Short of um, him just appearing and, you know, uh, uh, suiciding himself like a couple other figures in the news, I don't really see him going away that easily. It would have to be months of these sanctions and just the world isolating Russia from themselves. And that would motivate the oligarchs to probably finally make a move. But like what you said, I'm trying to be optimistic about it. I'm trying to even find a diplomatic way to get this dictator out. But as we know, dictators don't go quietly. Right. Yes. And yes. the difference is this guy has a nuke. So, well, he has several, yes. And we <laughs> saw with our own little wannabe dictator that it's hard to get people out. So it's it's tough. Um, it's just it's just a rough situation, man. And it's like, what have you seen, like in terms of your social media circle, like you know, because I talked about mine a little bit with like, oh, Trump would have prevented this people. But I've seen generally, honestly, people galvanize behind Ukraine. Like I don't usually you see like so much argument. I kind of see people galvanizing behind them. What have you seen? Pretty much what you've seen. I've seen I saw that stupid meme, too, uh, with the Batman single uh, signal that you brought up. I'm pretty much seeing what you're seeing support for Ukraine more than anything else. And you got a couple of uh, the Colt 45 members just trying to praise Trump for sounding like an idiot the last two days, I guess. I don't know. But other than that, other than our regular partisan hackery that we see on both sides about the issue, you know, bring like 
acting like our president was the end all be all regardless of it was Biden doing everything he could or Trump being a strong man, whatever way, way you want to uh, right. flip it. It's, I think that's the exceptionalism part because Putin was doing this for Russia. It has nothing to do with us. A hundred percent. What do you think of what do you think and like your honest opinion of it? I know we don't agree on everything. We agree on a lot of things. We don't agree on everything. Like on my point about kind of the Trump Biden more isolationist philosophy as compared to Obama. Like, do you think that has any bearing? Like, you know, they, people say Trump's a strong man, but really he was an isolationist, man. He was pulling us out of a lot of places. Whether we agree with that or not, like, is the strong man myth about Trump really true just because he talks a tough game? Or was somebody like Obama stronger in that regard? Whether you agree with Obama being strong or not, was really Trump this strong international guy? Or oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. But perception is reality. At the end of the day, like I, I joked with you on Facebook, I called Obama Black Reagan because you say because they're pretty much interchangeable cult of personality types that were war, war hawks on the international stage. That, that we don't really focus on their negatives because of all the positive social perception more or less of their character not even their domestic policies and not to go on down that 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 tangent but trump yeah he was an isolationist that's probably one of the only things that people could point to his whole administration meet for me personally and say shouldn't you support this but I, as you know like biden pulled out of afghanistan because we lost it was six trillion dollars down the drain me and you could argue about the chess uh peace argument on, at a different time but i wouldn't say he's an isolationist i think he just knows the democrats are polling really shitty right now and <laughs> war isn't popular i don't see anyone saying we should be having boots on the ground or be getting involved in a war in ukraine so i i just don't think that he's an isolationist in the same type of way i think he's just not pushing the war machine like Obama would, Obama, Obama would, Obama didn't do it with Ukraine, but Obama also didn't end in Afghanistan. So you would have to assume that if we go back eight years, he would be doing something in the middle of the of Biden and Trump. Right. And we could be debating that, but I, I think we agree, at least in terms of what the presidents would be doing 100%. Do you think that Oh, real quick, just to go back one more president, because I was listening to a podcast and they were pretty much blaming Bush for a lot of this. And it was interesting because Bush said, like, you know, back in 2001, that he stared in, into Putin's eyes and he could tell he or stared into his soul and he could tell he's a good man or something and telling the truth. And we all know Putin's a KGB uh, agent. So it's kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? But Putin's rhetoric towards the West changed between the Iraq invasion and 2007. And since 2007, we've heard the more nationalist uh, Russian imperialist Putin than the guy from 99 to say, oh, three, oh, four. So I just thought that was interesting that the, again, the Iraq war affected us so much on the uh, geopolitical stage that public opinion you there? switched. Uh, no, I think that's a good point because don't you think that has something to do with that chess thing I'm talking about? Like we start getting aggressive and then he started counterpunching because that geopolitical movement had kind of started to shift again after Bush made those moves. Well, they supported us in Afghanistan. Like you were saying, like Russia supported us in Afghanistan. It was the Iraq war that that they just viewed as imperialism. So and that was kind of us, too. So 
but you're one of the people that knows the difference between the two, and I'm sure most <laughs> of our listeners do. But like, dude, so many people don't. So oh, I know. Like, I know. It's it's so, but it's it's so important though to point out just not whether you agree with Russia or not. It's just so important. So I'm glad you you reiterated. I am because people don't know the difference. Like, it's oh yeah, because that's why I said I didn't want to even go down with you because me and you could argue completely two different arguments for why both are good or bad. Um, I think they're both bad for the similar puppet regime reasons, which is exactly like or reasons I should say, not regions, but. This, the, the Ukraine thing is I, what I meant when I typed it in. They're, they're Russia's Iraq in the sense that this is a terrible idea. This is just really short-sighted politics on Putin's part, and it doesn't even make sense from his standpoint other than Russian imperialism. And that's, not, that's just like an oversimplification, but it's the truth. So right. th- there's no positive for Putin here. Because even if he succeeds and, and, and takes Ukraine, he just acquired 44 million people. Dude, it's no, it's so true. It's so true. It really, it really is. It really. And by the way, Frank says when Putin plays chess, he probably does knock down the king. I guess just showing Putin's uh, over egotistical uh, persona. Um, but but for the record, too, I was for invading Afghanistan. I was not for invading Iraq. But then I thought once we're there, we like can't just leave. But I understand the other perspective too. Um, well, do you think this – let me ask you this when it comes to this foreign policy thing. So we all know – like, dude, Trump negotiated the exit from Afghanistan, the, the abrupt nature of it, the timeline. Do you think Biden – like, I understand – like, you said why he exited, and I understand why. But do you think he could have – the optics seemed to hurt him more than help him the way he went along with Trump's timeline. Could he have slowed it up a little bit to look more – like in control of our foreign forces. I feel like he made himself look a little weak with that exit. I think he would have looked weak uh, dragging it out too. Like if you, if we consider that weak, this, this inevitable bad pullout, then if if it was dragged out, I think it would just, it's ripping off a bandaid. You're not making it better taking it slower. You know what I mean? And there was no plan. Trump's plan he had, Trump said we're getting out, and pretty much the military industrial complex said, "Yeah, whatever," and never did a plan. So when we did pull out, there was no plan, and it's a failure on everybody's part. Like I just feel like the the weak pullout, yada yada yada. That's our domestic politics. I don't feel like the international stage thinks Biden's weak because we ended the war in Afghanistan and we lost. The rest of the world knew we lost, and it was taking us twenty years to do nothing. That, that's a good point. I, do you, I think they underestimate. What's with these world powers underestimating the groundswell? And, it, dude, it seems to be like a, a historical phenomenon. Like Britain underestimated our guerrilla warfare in the Revolutionary War. Like what's with these world powers underestimating? It seems like if you have an, a, a concrete insurgency, even France in World War II, like a concrete insurgency – Unless you eventually make inroads on the hearts and minds like aspect, you're not gonna win. Like what even I was my buddy, he was controversial at the time when I was doing poli sci at Rutgers undergrad. It was controversial, but he was he was he was saying like when Rome used to invade Rome, obviously brutal in a lot of ways, we know, but they would annex a territory and like give like a lot of the people like privileges of a Roman citizen. They would kick up taxes and then in turn they would get like certain privileges and certain entertainment. Like what makes these powers think they can just invade these places, be a heavy hand 
try to like implement their own societal things and like without anything in return and these people are just going to go along with it and it's going to work by brute force like it's not going to work especially when most of these people have internet too yes like like even back you know when we were in high school and bush w invaded iraq people in baghdad had the same internet and news we did to, to the extent that they, they, their propaganda was preparing them for the Western imperialism for 20 years. And we proved them right. Essentially yes. like, yes. like everybody, the rest of the world doesn't view America the way we have been taught. They view America because it's outdated. Like it, it, like we I, don't get me wrong like half of my beliefs come from i think we can do better because we are america i really do but at the same time you can't just you, the the idea that our our president would tell the president of russia not to invade somewhere and he's just like well he's obviously super strong so i'm just going to listen that's kind of american bias just on display no but it is and and here's but you know what's another interesting thing now that you bring that up I had read an article about Afghanistan. I've read several because I guess when the pullout occurred, there were so many embedded journalists, and you would appreciate this as a journalist. There were so many embedded journalists in Afghanistan in different, like, diff- with different segments of the population in different regions. One thing I gleaned from all the different articles I was reading was, you know, we forget the nuance in other societies too. Like in Afghanistan, there were certain you know, sections and rural areas that were more conservative that longed for Taliban, you know, rule because they subscribed to the like conservative fundamentalist philosophy. And then there were people in the urban areas who loved the American occupation because they were going to school and there was a more emphasis on like this liberalization of women's rights and things. And we forget the nuance. Like people, I hate this. And you could talk. I mean, we're not going to go into it now. We can go into it later. You and I can go into it in person, whatever. But like, no, you're right. You're, you're like, just to bring it back to Ukraine, yeah. like we're we're funding neo Nazis to help fight an insurgency against Russia, like neo Nazi groups. Right. right. Like, like we did it in Afghanistan. To your point, they wanted the Taliban because we were helping warlords that were also selling kids. Like just because they weren't Taliban and they were fighting Al Qaeda, like people act like there's good guys and bad guys in war. And the irony with the Ukraine invasion, this war that just happened and the threat of World War Three, all this, this is the clearest bad guy, the, the literally the planet Earth has seen mm-hmm. since you know, Osama bin Laden or Adolf Hitler. Or W, you know, depending if we're on the planet you are. George, you can say George W. Bush. Like the like Putin's the bad guy here. It's really not that deep. And anyone trying to spin it and make anybody else the bad guy is just taking responsibility from people that have military might. You brought up Rome before. Ro- the, the Romanov family, before the communists took over in Russia, they were trying to get, before, like pre World War I, they were trying to get uh, Constantinople from the Ottomans so they can be seen as the third iteration of the Roman Empire. Yes, because like, Roman history, which people also don't know that. And, and just a quick segment, because you went to Rutgers, too, and you're just a smart dude. That part of history, like that post, which lasted like a thousand years, post-Rome, pre-World War One, like 
organization of like the geopolitical stage and then post World War One and all the politics that went into World War One has so much to do with our world today, but people don't pay attention as much. It's just fascinating. That's just another oh, side. Oh my God. Oh, the pe- people act like, well, that's why when they say Israel and the Palestine, Palestine is this thousand year conflict. No, that, that it's not, man. Like, <laughs> go back in 1700. This was not the, the, the uh, there wasn't an Israel and Palestine fighting each other. Like, stop. Like, let alone what you said about World War One and Russia. This, this goes back to World War One era treaties. That's what the the president Vladimir Putin has said. He said it. It's not NATO. That's that's us trying to make you know sense of bullshit propaganda. Essentially, he brought up all this stuff that says pretty much Ukraine, Moldova, Estonia, Latvia. They're all not really countries. We made them countries because Lenin was an idiot. He, yeah. he we should have never even established them because they're all actually Russia. Right. Like right. that, that he said it. He said it. This has nothing to do with NATO. This has everything to do with Russia. And there's something to be said for that. Like the the nation state regime that like the nation state, how do I even word it? Like the nation state uh conception, the nation state, whatever iteration, manifestation, whatever you want to call it. Symbolism, man. It's territory because everything you said was right about them using the resources, but it's it's just a sense of that nationalism mixed with imperialism. Like, that's all it is. It, it, like, they feel like that's their country. We, like, the ca- comparisons to Israel are, 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 are closer to similar than not because it's completely based, based in an ethnicity of a region and ancient history that doesn't apply to anybody alive. Right. Like, right. like no one is alive that made that deal with Lenin and the Kaiser uh, to, about Ukraine and being Soviet states and being independent if they ever wanted to leave the, the Soviet Union. Nobody that signed that is alive, but Putin is now killing people over it. You know what's interesting, too, is would you say this? You said something before, and this is d- like deep diving into like this tangent, abstract, philosophical thing, but – you said earlier about like the Reaganism and the Obamanism as how like, you know, people uh, forget the practical implications because of like the societal cultural uh, affinity for people. Do you think that in the common, you know, knowledge of these geopolitical issues that people have such a like affinity for World War Two that they forget how damn impactful World War One was on like the nation state geopolitical stage. I just find World War One so fascinating because that's really what well, started. It's the, same, it's the same thing. You know, you can't you can't really talk about World War Two without World War One. But we focus on World War Two because all the politics of World War One that went into World War Two explain a lot of post World War Two, and we don't want to explain too much. Just believe what we're telling you. Um, and that's that's just what I believe. That's my 100% my opinion when I look at cuz I also think World War 1 is super fascinating. We don't learn about it enough, but if we learn that France, Europe, uh France, Britain and a couple others just carved up the Middle East and started a bunch of these problems, carved up Africa and started a bunch of these problems, then people want to play the oh you just hate your country game. So we don't really get anywhere when we actually analyze the imperialism that was just 100 years ago. Um but we uh RK to Don said, imagine if China got Texas and Florida to succeed and we tried to get it back. Ukraine's more like, imagine if China said Chinatown in New York and L.A. 
are now independent sovereign nations. And then they invaded us a day later because they said they were independent sovereign nations. That's how fast this all happened. They didn't even get a whole state. They, they pretty much said, hey, this town speaks Russian. This is all ours now. So a great analogy. Yes, actually, that's that's that really helps you conceptualize what's going on. That is a great analogy. It's true. Yes. Like, like, like I, I, I'm, I'm just it's crazy, man. And I appreciate your whole show today because it also helped me feel uh, more sane because so many like, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying this as a privileged American myself, I'm just happy we get this be here. I don't think a lot of people actually do appreciate that. We're never, we've never been scared, at least in my 32 years on this planet. Americans haven't been scared of a missile air raid at night. Never. Like and we never went to bed hearing those sirens. And I constantly, and you're a listener to the show, and like you know, like I constantly kind of try to hammer home this like present sense bias thing where, like, dude, throughout human history, everybody's been pretty much scared of invasions at night, except like the last three or four generations of Americans and Rome. (laughs) Rome and England, I guess. Yes, like, but it skews, like, even, even the Western frontier, like, Native Americans were scared of being raided, and the settlers were scared of being raided by them. And like, but like, for the last three generations, four generations, there was no such fear. Like the the amount of privilege and 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 uh, what's the damn word? Like insulation from conflict is it skews your perception so much. Like the most of the human world has had to deal with real, legit, primal fear from invasion on a daily basis that we they never had to feel in this part of the world. And it's just crazy, like you know, like it's not nor- it's not the norm. It's not I the remember thing. watching Shock and Awe live, and my grandmother asked me why I was watching it because I was tearing up and crying. She's like, "Why are you watching something that making you cry?" And I said, "This is live, like this is just happening. This is a city." And I was like, "There's not a kid my age in this city, you know what I mean?" And she was like, "I was like, what, twelve, thirteen, maybe?" And it was just, I just couldn't. It, I was like, "We're just bombing a city." That's all we're doing. Like this isn't tactical. This is, you know, we can. Like, that's what uh, Rush is doing right now. Oh, these are all tactical. No, you hit a, an apartment complex. We have video of it. Like it's okay to feel bad for citizens. Like I feel bad for the Russian citizens that are, all these sanctions are going on them. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, true, true. It's going on them. They didn't. They didn't call for this war. It's true. No, they're protesting it and getting arrested for it. Yeah. <laughs> like yet they're getting the sanctions too. Right. Yeah, they don't get the Nikes and the Yeezys anymore, and they can't go on certain websites anymore. But, you know, you're Russian, so tough shit. I'm sure that's going to help us in the future, diplomatically speaking, or, or with, with all the Russian people. It's crazy. It really is. No, but, dude, I, my the goal of this show, as you know, is try to make people sane. Like, we're just trying to talk objectively. Like, I, I tried to get a – again, we won't go into the audio. We'll talk about it later. But I was trying to come on tonight. <laughs> I was amped all week about coming on, even though I had a busy week, to just – have this intellectual objective conversation with everybody so that we could talk about the real issues and the real things going on because the world is crazy. But with all like the rapid fire social media and media stuff, we need a space to just be able to talk to each other and feel like, you know what, there are other people out there who can have intellectual conversations, agree or disagree, like philosophically, really, like some all different people from all walks of life are in this show right now, but we can still have like a logical like we all know the reality conversation and like you know just show that people do understand like even though they seem more and more limited 
And that's the point of the show. So I'm glad that, you know, it had that effect on you today. Oh, one more thing before I, or I let you go. And I appreciate even being on your show for this long and having a good conversation. Uh, he, Rick said, or, or better example of Mexico, try to take Texas and New Mexico back now. Number one, God bless anybody that tries to make Texas do anything. And would you even care about New Mexico? Let's be real. Like, that's just an ego thing for Americans. They're not taking it. But would you care if they did? Like, I wouldn't. I like it. I like it. I like it, Chuck. Right. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks for coming on, bro. I really appreciate it. You enhanced the show a lot, dude. I'll talk to you later, brother. Peace. Later. Anybody else want to come on? That was a great call by Dope Blog. And if you don't know who he is now, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, just look it up. You know who he is. He's been on the show before. Um, oh, hold on. I, wait, who was that? I just saw somebody pop up and then they popped off. Pop the hell back on. Listen, this thing limits me. That's the other reason I don't like pod being that much because it limits me. So it's 151. I have like 10 minutes left max. So if you're going to call, call right now. I'd love to have you on. But Podbean limits you. It's like two hours max live stream. So you gotta you gotta hop on. And that was a great call by by Dope Blog. That was that's what we want on this show. Like just good conversation that enhances the show, brings other perspectives. This is another Logic and Larry gem, isn't it? Like we had a great gem again. And I just wish I could get the audio right. I just want the audio right. That's all I want. That's all I want in my life. Can you hear the music? What's the music sound? Does it sound good? Does it sound like sound terrible? Tell me. Tell me the truth. How does it sound? Tell me in the comments. Sounds good? Alright. That's good then. Alright. Maybe because. Yeah, see, not YouTube quality. See, it's not because YouTube is is YouTube sending like a separate signal in with the song itself playing. And this is like I'm just playing this. So there's a difference, right? Just so you guys know real quick. Not that you care, but here's how you like the music is playing through the interface right to you in YouTube. It's not YouTube. It's OBS Sound Studio. Like it's the song is just broadcasting to you in addition to the mic and it's a legit mic this now is the phone the my phone is recording my voice and my phone is recording the song playing off the speaker like the phone is recording everything in the room and i don't think it sounds as good whereas that's like with youtube you're getting my my input from the microphone and you're getting the input from the music broadcast to you at once and i'm changing the levels that's all Whereas this is literally the phone sitting on a stand, picking up everything in the room, including the music and my voice. That's all. It's kind of interesting. It's not YouTube, though. Like, and I hear you, Sai, and I know you're not even trying to be facetious, but it's not even the YouTube that's doing it. I don't think so. I think it's my interface. There's an interface called OBS that broadcasts. It sets up all the mechanisms and the, and the levels and everything, and then it broadcasts that all packaged together to YouTube. And then you guys click on YouTube and you listen to it. But it's all coming through this software program that broadcasts. Now, let two weeks ago, it sounded great live. You guys are all chilling, listening to it. But that's where YouTube sucks. If YouTube just let me download, like if it's a regular video, you can download it. You can convert it into audio and I can put it out to Spotify, iTunes, all that. 
But YouTube, for some stupid reason, when you do a live stream, it won't let you download the live stream. Like you can't touch it. It's just lost forever. It's sitting there live stream, but you can't download it. So I couldn't just do what I did last week and just broadcast. I had to simultaneously record and broadcast, but I get, I'm guessing, I don't even know if this is true. It could be something else. I'm guessing that when I simultaneously try to record and broadcast, it eats up my CPU usage and something else and therefore like distorts the stream, slows up the encoding and makes it buffer nonstop for you guys. Because if you go back to YouTube and play it back, it sounds good. So it's weird. And Rick, yo, yeah. what's up? Yo, what's up? Can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can barely hear you now, but I just wanted to see if this thing was working for two weeks from now. Yeah, it's working, dude. Wow. Can you hear me? Like, you sound clear as day. Yeah, it's uh, you're on speaker, and I can't adjust that in any way. I fucking hate Podbean. Dude, I want it to be on YouTube, the audio. No. I just want the music to go with my voice. I get it, brother. You know? I get it. I record music on a daily basis, so I'm like mad that I can't get the audio right. But I didn't want to not do the show tonight, you know. So I had to do it. It was a great show. I actually had a blast. I'm glad oh, I, I did it. I agree. I'm just really sad now. Why? Why? Because what? <laughs> Frustration. What? It's good. I'm kind of sick. I'm a little sick, so that's adding to my frustration. I feel better. I'm glad I got Thank to you. hear you. I heard you in like months. Was it like December? Did you, did you see my picture of my chicken parm? That's all that really matters. What? Well, you made it. You made it yourself. Yeah, I made it myself. I, I know What's you're wrong with you? I didn't see the picture. I didn't. I got, I'm going to go look for it now. All right. Go look. I just wanted to check and see how this worked. Apparently, I can't be on my computer listening to you. And on my phone at the same time talking to you. Well, yeah, but but if you did that, then you would get feedback anyway. No, no. If I log in on one account and talk on this account, it's usually okay. But for some reason, like as soon as I logged in here, the chat ended on my computer and I can only get chat through the phone. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. That's it's Podbean, dude. But I get it. You get to save your Podbean shows. You don't get to save your YouTube shows. And that makes sense to me. Yes. That's literally the only problem. Yes, dude. Yes. You, I know you get it. Like that last week, like two weeks ago, whatever it was, I spent like two hours after so frustrated because I couldn't get, I couldn't save it and and then re, you know, release it. So then this week I I did a test run this morning, early this afternoon, and I was so excited. I came home. I was like, I had the the playlist lined up, which wasn't this playlist tonight. This playlist was cool, but it wasn't what I had lined up and I'm like ready to do it. And then everybody's just messaging me. I can't hear, I can't hear anything. I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we're both frustrated, man. I feel better about that. Yes, I was fresh, but like we both got through it because it was a good show. We had a good night. We had good conversation, but dude, yes, we were both frustrated. Don't worry. I don't want to be on here per se, but I'm forced. So we're in the same boat. 100%. I'm just trying to troubleshoot and figure out how I can get in and not get in and cause trouble. So we're good. I hear you. And so, all right, so now we're good. So you can call in two weeks and you're, you know how to do it. If I'm on Podbean, which I probably will be because I don't want to like rock the boat every other, every show. Like I'm probably yeah. going to stick on hobby for a while until I get it like concretely figured out on a different medium. So talk to D rock. He seems pretty technically savvy. Maybe you could get him to put up your own site. 
no, you're right. D is very good. And then Paisan's in the in the chat talking about open reel and whatever other things I never heard of. So I'm gonna get with one of these tech guys and like sit with them and get them to help me figure it out. But until then, we'll be on here. So at least you know how it works now and you know how to to hop on because I'm assuming you'll be on in two weeks. So we'll figure. Yeah, it out. maybe if I'm not cooking something. <laughs> We're always cooking something. It's just a matter. I of- know. I know. I just missed you. I just wanted to get in and say, hey. So, hey. I'm glad you did because I was, you know, I'm glad you're on. I'm glad I got to say hi. And I'm glad it's going to go out to the people that listen tomorrow, you know, that, that we don't even know about, you know, but they but they listen tomorrow. Like, Frank is one of them. He's usually not on live, but he usually listens later. But he was on live tonight talking. So, you know. No, that was good stuff. That was really good stuff. Yeah, dude. So, all right, brother. All right. Well, you can close out the show. Right, Any final right. thoughts before we close it out? No, I was going to talk about banned books, but we'll do that next time. Cool. Sounds good to me. You know, I'm always down for that. Like the Russia thing happened or we would have had a whole thing on that, but we can definitely talk about no, I that. That's near and dear to my heart too. So, Right on. So, All right, brother. All right, Larry, later. All right, talk to you later. Bye. All right, so they're giving me my two-minute warning now on here. So ridiculous. So I will talk to all of you guys. Yeah, dope. Don't worry, dope. You're you're coming on. Yeah, you're coming on talking about. We got a schedule too because this other guy David's coming on talking about religious stuff. Uh, Chuck, you got to come on, and we're going to talk about the moderate v uh, leftist Dems because that's a it's a debate we have going. I think everybody likes to hear about that too. And then me and Rick have to talk about the banning books thing, which has been going on for a while, and it's actually a hot topic to be honest with you. And I've seen him talking to people different, you know, on different statuses and I've been doing the same. So that's another hot topic. We got to get into that. But guys, look, I really, really appreciate you guys all being here with me tonight, even though I had that crazy technical issue. Uh, it means a lot. It kept me going. I'm going to get this figured out. For now, Podbean's a, a place we, we know how it works. We're on here. That's fine. Um, but I do want to get the audio like to its potential where it should be with my hardware. I can do it. So you know, don't get alarmed if I switch back to a different medium at some point in the future, but I won't do it until I have it figured out and I've tested it. Um, I thought I had it that way today, but I, I guess not. Anyway, love that all you guys tuned in. I'm glad we got to talk this out. There was a lot going on this week. This is what the show's about. Um, so we'll see you all in two weeks again. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about in two weeks. I look forward to seeing you all then. I look forward to hearing from all you then. And uh, Logic and Larry is back. Logic and Larry is rolling, man. And whether whatever medium we have to use, however much trouble we have with our software, we will get uh, to where we need to go and we will make the show continue to happen. I'm glad you guys all encouraged me to keep going tonight. It's awesome. Uh, it was an, a pleasure to be with you guys, as it always is. And I will speak to all of you guys very, 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 very soon in two weeks. Until then, enjoy your week.